This hour, it is Monday, May 22nd, and Flames Talk, this hour, underway from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Yes, Steinberg and Pike along with you, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts after a busy weekend. We're working on your holiday Monday because we got news and we've got lots to dive into. What did we tell you on Friday? Flames Talk on Friday, we told you we're in a 96-hour window to get news on a general manager for the Flames. And what do you know? We're now closing in on the official announcement. Tuesday is when we expect Craig Conroy to be introduced as the ninth general manager in Calgary Flames history. And this is absolutely the right call because, you know, the more I thought about this over the last number of weeks, since we knew the Flames were going to be looking for a new general manager, the more I thought about it, the more it just this made by far the most sense and going down this road was the most sensible one. And I thought the best one for the flames organization. And I, I felt that I felt like that from the beginning and I am definitely biased on it. I'll be the first one to tell you that I am a huge Craig Conroy fan. He's a friend of the station. He's a friend of flames talk. He's just, he's a, he's a friend. He, we, we all appreciate Craig Conroy, the human and yeah, of course I'm biased on it. Absolutely. But, and I'll, I'll be the first to admit that. And that's why at the very beginning, when it was like, well, you got to go Conroy. Yeah. You're like, you, so I, I tried to take my bias out of it as best I could. I don't think it's fully possible. Full disclosure, full transparency. I don't think it's, a, I don't think it's truly possible for someone you've, you've got a relationship with to all of a sudden just completely take that bias out of it. But in doing that, the best that I could I still felt like this is the best guy for the job. Pike, this is a guy who has touched every part of the organization and has been groomed for this job since he transitioned from being an active player to the special assistant to the acting general manager in early 2011. And in the 12-plus years since, he has touched every part of the organization. Um, And so if pointing to a guy... And believing that a guy who has been groomed for this for more than a decade, who has done everything that a general manager would need to do, who has been involved in every part of hockey operations, if if me believing that guy is the right guy for the job makes me a shill, then guilty as charged because I... I don't care. I think that if 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 that makes me if that makes me biased, if that makes me um, shilling for somebody, then I guess guilty as charged. That because <laughs> because I I truly do think that this is the best human being for the job. They have the right guy inside the organization from the get go. They then went through an exhaustive search of. 25, 30, 35 people that they spoke to. They whittled it down to a short list. And Conroy is the guy that ends up being 
the one to pick. And so they had him there from the get-go, but this bolsters it that much more because they didn't just give Craig Conroy the job. They cast a wide net. They went through an exhaustive process, and and they're going with the guy who's best for the job. This is uh, Elliot Friedman on Monday's 32 Thoughts podcast. It's available wherever you get your podcasts right now and kind of went through the process as to where we are now with Craig Conroy imminently being named as general manager. Craig Conroy is going to be the GM. I don't think that was the case necessarily when this whole process started. But then I think as it went through, he gained momentum. And I think the other thing that happened here was that I think Craig Conroy made it very clear that if he didn't get it, it was time for him in Calgary. It was time to go somewhere else. And he's a longtime flame. He is given a lot to the organization. And I think the organization felt that if a first-time GM was going to beat out Craig Conroy, it really had to be an incredible candidate. And I just don't think they got to anywhere else where they said, yes, we absolutely have to have this person. I had a conversation with someone on Sunday and he reminded me that when Craig Conroy was traded to Calgary, he didn't want to go. True. (laughs) And not only did he go, but he became like a beloved flame. He left, signed with LA and he got traded back because he realized, and the Kings had realized, you know, Calgary was what was best for him. And I just think that they've thought about this guy who they've invested so much in We've really got to get knocked off our feet to pick someone else. So that was Elliot Friedman, just a little bit on the flames from the latest 32 Thoughts podcast. There's lots there with Elliot and Jeff Merrick, wherever you get your podcast, a little bit more later. No knock on some of the other candidates, whether they were potential first-time GMs or guys who have done the job before. But this one screamed internal. And I understand that there are many who wanted a fresh start, that there were many who wanted a fresh face and a complete reset in hockey ops. I understand that. I respect that opinion. I just don't share it myself. Conroy's draft work is strong. His college and junior free agent work is strong. I know that his one of his big tenets is he wants to build through the draft. I don't know. It's just tough to convince me otherwise that this isn't the right hire. And you never know. We won't know if this is the right hire for five years or longer. (laughs) But as of right now, on May 22nd, as the Flames still officially do not have a general manager, I think this is the right guy for the job. I really do. And, And I think they got this one right. And I'm glad that they still went through the process that they went through. I mean, like, you know, people who have covered the team in this market, you know, dating back to when he was a player, have just, you know, Craig Conway is always one of those guys that you wanted to seek out. I put him in the same category as like your Matt Stations in terms of he always thought the game at a really high level. He was always always really passionate and articulate. And even, you know, when when he was still playing, I think all of us thought he'll either be in hockey ops or in media when he's done, whichever he wants to do more because he had that kind of a knack for, you know, breaking things down and sort of figuring things out and sort of, you know, breaking down the elements of the game and, and digesting them and, and, you know, spitting them out and chewing them up again. And I think that's one of the things that's made him so effective in his role because he's really articulate, really enthusiastic. And if you're an agent, if you're a college player, if you're Johnny Gaudreau uh, at uh, at the Hobie Baker Awards, hemming and hawing, if you're really anybody, having him in the room, you know, 
bending your ear and just sort of wearing you down with this enthusiasm is highly effective. Yeah. And I think, you know, as, as you know, I don't think it's impossible for us to, to not be a little bit biased in this situation. And for, for me, you know, obviously from the outside looking in, I've been going about this and looking at the situation as why not Craig? You know, what, 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 what more would Craig need to do in his current role to earn a chance to do it? What more, you know, and what, what attributes would you need from someone from the outside to make them a clear upgrade over him? And looking at some of the names we've seen, both, you know, connected to the Calgary opening and, and the openings in other markets. I mean, I think Craig has done enough to really earn that chance. I mean, you know, is he as sexy a name as Eric Tulski? Maybe yes, maybe no. I think it depends on on your your predilections towards analytics and other things. Is he as sexy a name as you know Peter Carmanos or some of these other guys kicking around in other markets? Uh, Matthew Matthew uh, Darsh in Tampa. I think he's up there. I think he'd definitely be up there with those guys. And he was, I believe, he was the runner up for the the Buffalo job. Runner up uh, to Jason Botterill, yeah, to, to current Seattle Kraken AGM Jason Botterill. And you know he's he's a guy who's sort of been around it, and he's. I think he's touched enough things and learned enough things. And I think more importantly, I mean, you know, as I know as, as much as I think, you know, you've heard it on the text line, I've heard on the, on the social media and, you know, vice versa, you know, there's a big clamoring for some change. And I don't think fans should look at, you know, the, the current AGM coming in as GM and going, Oh, it's just going to be the same old, same old, because even though I think there's a lot of philosophical similarities in terms of how things they value. I mean, Brad living was also a guy that really valued building through the draft. I don't think you spend time in Arizona without learning to do things, you know, as efficiently as possible, which means cost efficiencies and building through the draft. But, Craig's also coming at it from a situation where Craig played a thousand games. Craig has been to the Olympics. Craig's been to the World Championships, uh, the World Cup. He's done a lot of different things that Bradshaw Living didn't do before Bradshaw Living got the job. And as a result, Craig's an entirely different cat. He's well, an entirely different perspective on the game. And and you know, I think it's important that you bring that up because yes, did Conroy get mentored by Bradshaw Living? Of course he did. And by Jay Feaster and Brian Burke, like he, yeah, he, he, he learned from all of the GMs that he worked under Feaster, then Burke. And for the last nine years, Brad Tree living. So yes, he was part of Brad Tree living's management staff. Of course he was. And there are going to be similarities and there are going to be certain ways that Craig goes about his business that he would have learned and, and built off of from Brad. But in saying that, I know for a fact that there are, and I've heard this on multiple different sides. I know for a fact that there have been multiple times where Craig has been on the other side of a internal debate from Brad Tree Living when it comes to trading for that player or signing that player or what, whatever the case may be. And I'm not going to get into examples because that, that wouldn't be fair to the people that you speak to. But I just, I know for a fact that it's not like, it's not like a management staff behind closed doors, you know, Pike's the general manager and I'm the assistant general manager and Cam in the other rooms, the other assistant general manager and Pike comes to the table and says, I think we should go after this player. And we say, yes, Ryan, that's the right idea. And then we just go about our business. That'd be a pretty poor way of, of having internal discussion to just nod your head and say yes. And, and I know, I know there have been multiple times where there has been pushback and sometimes that pushback influences the general manager to not do something. And sometimes the GM says, I respect your opinion, but I still yeah. have the final call and we're going to do this. And then Craig says, okay. And then you get on board with it and move on to the next one. I guess what I'm saying is I know for a fact there are philosophical differences 
or, or, or different ways of thinking that Craig has compared to what Brad Trilliving had as the prior well, general even, manager. Even as something as simple as the draft. I mean, the Flames have a lot of really experienced scouts and, you know, people like Craig and others who are sort of come in and do crossover scouting. And the whole point of crossover scouting is that the same, the, the, you have different people watch the same players in the same games or similar situations. And a lot of times they have entirely different viewpoints on what they value and why. And, you know, I believe they're heading into this week, the the amateur scouting meetings. And yeah, I think they start on Tuesday. I think, yeah, they're probably going from the press conference and they might be just pulling Craig from a meeting to go and talk to us. They might they might do the news conference earlier so that they can go right into meetings. It makes sense to me. But yeah, like just, it's like, it, you know, I, I understand the, the, the desire from fans for something new and someone different. And, as much as you know, as much as it might sound disingenuous from coming people who know Craig and have dealt with Craig for, I think I've been on the beat since 2010, 2011. You know, Pat, you've been around for a while. Like we've we've all we've basically been around for as long as Craig has been in out of yeah in management. Yeah. So we see him all the time. But when you talk to him, he's he's a very you know he I think philosophically he sees the game in a lot of ways very similarly to how Brad Chilling and Brad Pascal in some ways do, but. They all. If you if you say, man, I love the draft. Good. I mean, it also means you might value completely different things in players, or you might, you know, when you're watching game tape, you might go, oh, this attribute looks like this rather than this. Yeah. And I think that's one. That's going to be one of the fascinating things to see because you know, obviously, scouting's done for this year. But in the years that follow, I mean, one of the cooler things, you know, I I think in a lot of ways, Brad Trilliving and Brian Burke and Jay Feaster all saw the game in somewhat similar ways in terms of valuing the draft, but we saw some pretty disparate changes in terms of the things they valued within the draft over the course of those two or three regimes. And I'm fascinated at the kind of changes we, we may eventually see. I think we'll yeah. get into, we'll get, probably get into some of the a- other aspects of this multi multifaceted story, but you know, it's, it's, it's really exciting to see someone, you know, Craig came to the team uh, at the 20 or 2001 trade deadline. I was at the, the final game Corey Stillman was at, uh, and you know, they, people were like, who the hell is Craig Conroy? Uh, all due respect to you, Craig. No one just, you know, it was, it was the St. Louis blues trying to load up at that deadline for a playoff run. They got Corey Stillman, a, a flames first round, a flames first rounder. Uh, and they also added Keith Kachuk, that trade deadline, the, the, and the, the flames, they got a seventh round pick that turned into David, David Moss, Moss, uh, and Craig Conroy. And it took a while for Craig Conroy to become Craig Conroy, but eventually he figured it out because he's pretty smart hockey player. And, you know, I, I think the things that made him so effective at prolonging his career to the, to, you know, nearly the age of 40, when at a time where very few players ever play that long, you know, between his, his, you know, commitment to the off ice stuff and to just being a smart player, I think it made him really effective. And, you know, I think, you know, let's, let's, let's not judge it too harshly before it gets going. But I think, I think there's reasons for optimism with this move. I, I'm I'm quite optimistic. I'm, I'm preaching to the choir and here. I'm really obviously. excited to see you know how long it takes for Craig to get his fingerprints on the team and what what that ends up looking like. You know, it's funny. I know that when he was finishing his playing career, he had a chance to go co- coach at his alma mater uh, and be a coach, or he had a chance to enter management. He decided to enter management, and I, you know, I think as much of that is because you don't want to uproot your family. You know, at that point, 
his his daughters were obviously much younger in school. You know, you're you're a little bit more worried as two fathers here. Uh, no, but two childless adults. Yeah, two childless adults who can't really relate. But just having this relayed to me, you don't, you know, you're like, well, do you want to mm-hmm. uproot family at that time? So we decided to go management, and I can I I would imagine that in the last twelve years. There's been thoughts of, okay, like, is this going to pay off as, as being a GM, whether it's here or elsewhere? And Craig has multiple times said, you know, one of the big reasons why he has remained with the Flames and not maybe chased other AGM jobs or other spots is because he really wants to help bring this city a Stanley Cup. And, and I just think it's cool that a guy who has given the last 12 years of his non-playing career, the only 12 years of his adult non-playing career to <laughs> this city and to this organization and gets rewarded as being the general manager. I, I think that's a really, I, I think it's a super cool story. I think it's a deserving story. The guy has paid his dues. He's busted his ass. He's been on commercial red-eye flights to Toronto and then hop well, to Sweden. You, you, like you know, The guy has when, paid his dues. When he came back here, he was he was scouting the U18s and then was supposed to go over to uh, to the Worlds, and then I believe because of the 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 managerial upheaval here, he was summoned back uh, to to Calgary. So he was, you know, he he's basically been across the Atlantic Ocean a ton. I would not want to imagine uh, his travel schedule because I, you know, I, my, my body clock gets thrown out of whack just looking at his travel schedule. Just a, a few things, clerical things. Uh, if you heard our weekend podcast, uh, we put out a little uh, a little info podcast on Sunday when TSN's Darren Drager first popped the news out. If you haven't listened to it, go out of your way too, because uh, not to not to, to toot Pat's horn too much, but it's twenty minutes of incredibly insightful, dense content on uh, on things as they were beginning to unfold. So you can listen to Pat be extremely smart. Ish. Ish. <laughs> uh, I think that this was close on Friday. Like, I think that they were almost ready to announce it on Friday. Um, I'm not, I don't know why they didn't, but I, I think that they have been at this decision for quite some time. But whether it's deal working on contract terms, you know, how long's the deal? What, how much, how much are you getting paid? Maybe some of the things that we're just about to talk about in terms of who else is coming along as part of this new management group. But I think this was ready to go on Friday. Or it could have just been or that close anyway. It, it could have just been that the the CSEC lawyers didn't want to, you know, they wanted to go to their cabins for the long weekend. And, you know, everyone, if they, if they were going to do the press conference on Tuesday anyway, I can kind of understand the temptation of, ah, we'll just, we'll just sign everything Tuesday morning before everything goes in. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that they, I, they were pretty close to making an announcement on Friday. I think, but it didn't end up going through, and that's fine. Um, and today, on this Monday, Stampeders are playing, and what as we're talking right now, and at least downtown is a deluge. So, uh, hopefully, you're dry if you're at McMahon Stadium. Um, so, sounds like Tuesday is when the introduction is going to be made, and it sounds like it'll be made official at some point on Tuesday morning. But she will, we we shall rather wait and see. Um, a few other things to touch on. I do believe Jerome Aginla is coming. Well, I, I think we know. Jerome is going to be joining the Flames in some capacity soon. And I think having Jerome in his corner was massive for Conroy. And, and I really do. I would think so. They were a package deal. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And that was not insignificant either. So 
Aginla's coming, but was only coming if Conroy was made general manager. Conroy made it clear that if he wasn't going to be GM, he would be moving on and looking at, at other opportunities. So the chance to have two beloved guys in this city in big spots, I think, was really tempting for the organization. Uh, and so because Aginla was only coming if Conroy was the GM, I think that held a significant amount of sway. And so I, I think that's important to point out. And... Then there's the whole idea about an experienced name joining the fray as well. That name is Dave Nonis. Uh, Elliot Friedman first floated that Sunday in the second intermission of the Vegas-Dallas game in the Western Conference Final. He added a little bit more on Monday's 32 Thoughts. This was Elliot Friedman with uh, perhaps some other names joining the Flames organization. Part of the process became, how do we do this? How, how do we make it so that he has the best possible group around him? And so they have Maloney, they have Pascal. They're going to bring in someone with experience. And my guess is, it's just a guess, my guess is Dave Nonis, who's been there as part of the interview process. Dave Nonis has been around for a long time, and it's just someone around him with an additional level of experience. And the other one, too, is a Ginla. I believe mm. Ginla coming back to work with Conroy, I think, was a very big part of this. Ginla's son was taken by, I think it was Edmonton. Oil Kings, yes. Yeah, Western Hockey League draft. He's got one more year uh, before that. I think Jerome's going to coach there. And then I think he's going to join the organization, too, on some level. So that's Elliot Friedman. Let's start on, on the Ginla front. Yeah, I, I think... Probably whether it's announced on Tuesday or if it's announced a few days later or next week. And I think very shortly after Conroy's introduced, we'll get word of Jerome joining in some sort of role, probably like a, an advisory role, more, I don't want to say hands-off role, but, you know, more of a, a part-time role to begin with as he continues yeah. in Kelowna and then can transition down the road into probably an AGM role is, is kind of what it feels like. But yeah, I don't think it will be long until Jerome also joins the organization, which I think was very important. And this, this Jerome again, fellow, what was his hockey experience? Uh, I think just off he, the top of my head, he's, co it, he's coaching, he's coaching, uh, he's coaching U18, U17 hockey in, in Kelowna. He was a coach in Boston, I believe for a little while. And also 1,219. Is that the number in terms of how many games he played with the Flames? Yeah, at 1,300 NHL points, over 600 NHL yeah. goals, Hockey Hall of Famer in 2020. Uh, that's a pretty good resume. I mean... Well, and he's looked at as a really sharp hockey guy, too. Like, a lot of people have identified Jerome now as, okay, there's another former player who, because of what he's doing in coaching, because of what he's doing in hockey, even though it's not the NHL and that's not where he started, a lot of people look at him and say, you know what? Jerome's got some really good ideas about the game. And, and, and so you talk to people around hockey, his name has started to come up more as if he wanted to jump into NHL management and, or, or, or pro coaching down the road, there, there would be interest in it because of, of the way he thinks it. And, and this kind of role seems super low risk. I mean, like he's obviously still going to have that role most likely. And in, in he mentioned, I think, when he was uh, in town and did the media tour last month, where you know he's going to be coaching his son Joe in Kelowna for his final year. Joe is uh, a draft pick of the Edmonton Oil Kings because Joe is only 15. He's just about to turn 15 in August. He's not eligible to play full time in the Western League this year. Mm -hmm. Next year, when he's 16, he'll, he'll turn 16 in August 2020 of uh, 2024, and so then he'll be eligible to be a full time WHLer. So he's going to be playing for his dad 
for one more year. And henceforth, Jerome wants to coach his, his youngest boy for one more year. And it gives him a chance to sort of get his feet wet in hockey ops, get, you know, figure out what he likes to do. Kind of, I would say it's kind of similar to what they did in the past with uh, Craig Conroy, where, you know, Craig, Craig Conroy is full time, but you get the opportunity to sort of. I think Jerome will be full time in the not so distant. I future think so too. too. But I think it's a great way. It's a low risk way of sort of getting him involved, getting his feet wet, getting his input, wetting his appetite a bit. And then when his calendar frees up a bit in 2024. Boom, he, he's not really starting cold. He's had the ability to yeah. get things going. And honestly, if, if you're, I'm sure if, if the Flames didn't do it, there's 31 other teams that would go, hey, Jerome McGinley, can you just watch tape and give us inputs on what we're doing? Yeah. Like, there's, I, I, I think this is incredibly high upside, low risk hockey ops move. And, you know, in addition to that, it's kind of cool that Jerome well, McGinley would be coming back to the Calgary Flames. And what is wrong with good PR right now? This organization has had a really rough last year or so. GM walks away, the whole Daryl Sutter stuff. Uh, then you had Huberto's bad year, the trades, Johnny Walker. Like, it has been a pretty, I almost swore, it has been a, this is not that type of podcast. It's been a, it's been a crappy last year it's, if you're a Flames fan. So what tumultuous. is wrong with a little good PR on top of them being good hires? Just before uh, just before we hit the text line a little bit and just before we transition and uh, get a couple of former, Cal- not former, uh, get a couple of Calgary Wranglers after their season is done. We're uh, going to talk to Matthew Phillips and Brett Sutter here in the next little bit. Dave Nonis. What do we think about him joining the phrase? Sounds like that's going to be a part of the announcement on Tuesday as well. So it'll be Conroy, Nonis, Brad Pascal, Chris Snow as your hockey ops department going forward. I, as as kind of that experienced guy who's done the job before and and kind of in that role, I don't mind them adding I mean, a Dave Nonis to the crew he, either. And Maloney as if, well. If you said to me, ops. hey, they're making Dave Nonis GM, Okay, I can understand some consternation because his record as a general manager is a little bit uneven. But if you look at his resume, he's been in you know, hockey ops since the, the late 90s. He's incredibly experienced. And if he's the final decision maker, the final arbiter, maybe you, you know, you're not really too happy with it. If he's one of the guys in the room and he's just giving folks in the room the benefit of his experience... He brings a different perspective than a lot of the other guys. He brings a lot of experience in terms of what to do and what not to do. I think you know. I don't. I if he's if he's not to the GM, I think you look at that move and go, okay, I can I can yeah. wrap my head around it. It, it seems again, it seems pretty pretty low downside. A few texts. This says Pat. Perhaps something to discuss with the reports of Nonis joining in. Is it fair to be worried that Conroy will be the GM in title only? Maloney, Nonis, Bob Murray. Is this just an old boys club with Conroy and later Iggy here for PR? No. While I think the good PR is a nice byproduct, I don't think that Craig Con. Again, I. Brad True Living joined the group, and Brian Burke, who has a ton more experience, said the keys are yours, and that's what is going to happen here. Don Maloney is going to say, keys are yours, and this is your staff. So, no, I do not believe that it's GM in title only. Uh, this says, playing devil's advocate, is Connie the best choice because he's the cheapest option and perceived as the best value? I don't think so. I think he's the best choice because he's the guy who is best positioned and most uh I, I think the best fit for the job. I, I don't think I don't think that Conroy's gonna be getting paid any more than another first time general I, manager would have been getting paid. The, the, for me, the the thought process of 
Conroy had a had a, a front row seat to the circus this year. Uh, he you know he wasn't the final decision maker, but he had a front row seat to the circus, and he has the opportunity and probably has a lot of unique insights on what went wrong, and bringing in bringing in some outside voices like. If if all that they do is it's Craig Conroy making making his recommendations for what needs to change and then maybe talking to Nonus and Aginla and you know Pascal and, and Snow and the rest about oh okay what's our ideas to fix problem X if if it's just Craig coming up with problem identification and then the group helping him solve those problems I think having someone who saw the circus you know firsthand might have some insights into what went wrong. It's Pike and Steinberg with you. This hour of Flames Talk underway from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. They're your local experts for basement waterproofing, sump pumps, crawl spaces, foundation repair, and radon mitigation. They're all things basement-y. Visit dlbasementsystemscalgary.com. Hey, it's George Russick. And Matty Rose. We host the big show with Russick and Rose. If you miss us weekday mornings on Sportsnet 960 to fan, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, download the podcast on demand. So many places that you can find the podcast wherever you get your favorite NHL, NFL, CFL, MLB, the stories that sports fans in Calgary want to hear. We got it for you. We are the big show. This is Flamestock. Join the conversation at 960-960. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Monday edition of the program continues. Steinberg along with you. And uh, the Calgary Wranglers season came to an end Friday night. 6-5 overtime loss to Coachella Valley in Game 5 of their best of five series. Two best teams in the American League went as down to the wire as you can possibly go in a best of five uh, when it's all said and done in the first overtime. Coachella Valley moves on and Calgary season came to an end. Looking back on it, uh, and what I thought was, I mean, let's be honest, it was a pretty awesome first season in the city of Calgary for the Wranglers. I know it doesn't end the way that they wanted, but want to look back on it and with one of the guys who helped the Wranglers in a big way get to being the number one team during the regular season. 36 goals, 76 points in 66 games for Matthew Phillips, who joins us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline right now. Matt, thanks for doing this today. How are we doing? I'm doing all right. How are you? Doing all right. Um, And and I, I know that You've had a little bit of time to digest Friday night now and, and back in the city, so on and so forth. Just uh, how, how do you reflect on how the season came to an end on Friday? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a tough way to lose. There's no other way to put it. Um, There's two really good teams going at it, and uh, it was one of the crazier third periods I've ever been a part of. Um, and, yeah, there was just no quit in either team, and, um, a bounce the other way, and and we're not having this chat right now. Yeah, so it, uh, it was really close, and it's just how it goes, I guess. It really, when you look back at that series, I mean, there there was next to nothing between you two teams. Game three goes to triple OT. You go to OT in game five. Like, can you just maybe give us a little bit more insight as to how close these two teams really were? Yeah, well, that uh, that wasn't really much of a surprise to us because in our season series against them, uh, it, it was always close games, and uh, we we knew the caliber of of their team, and and we knew what we could bring. So, I don't think anyone was surprised on how close it was. But um, kind of just two different style of teams, though. Like they're a little more offensive, a little more of a rush team, and 
they they kind of possess the puck really well, and they're constantly making plays. And uh, we're more of a forechecking team, and uh, maybe a little stingier defensively. So uh, it was a really good matchup. Uh, it's unfortunate that it had to be in the third round of the playoffs. Yeah, <laughs> and maybe maybe not the league final, but. Um, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, that one seemed like it was made for a best of seven. There's, there's no doubt about yeah. that. <laughs> what, Maddie? At, at what point do you? And I know that we're talking on the Monday following a Friday overtime loss, so we're probably not there yet. But at what point do you look back on the year and and you can look back on this season and and feel good about what the group accomplished, even though it didn't end the way you wanted it to? Like how how close are you to being able to you know being really proud of what the group accomplished this year? Well, yeah, I I think there's there's a ton to be proud of. Um, I think as a group we it's come a long way since October and. Uh, we got off to a rocky start, and, and then we kind of cleaned it up and, and didn't look back. And uh, a lot of change this year, moving the team up to Calgary and new faces and such. But I mean, it was uh, it was a really fun year playing hockey, and personally in my hometown, like I, I had such a blast this season. And uh, the fan support got better and better throughout the year. And yeah, a, a lot of guys had good seasons, and there's a lot to be proud of. What uh, what was it like playing? You, you haven't played in your hometown since since minor hockey. You know, you go off to you go off to the Western League, and then you're in a bunch of different spots in the American League. I guess you've played you, you've played a few games with the Flames. You played some preseason games, but to play a full year in your hometown as a pro how how was that experience for you? Yeah, it uh, it's pretty cool. It's something that not every player will ever get the opportunity to do at, at any level. So. Uh, something that I didn't take for granted and super fun just having, uh, you know, different friends come to different games and to have my uh, my parents and my grandparents and, and family at every game. Like, it's pretty special. Um, and I know how, how good of a hockey city Calgary is. So to get to play here all year uh, is great. Matthew Phillips with us of the Calgary Wranglers, joining us here on Flames Talk this afternoon. How how do you evaluate the year for you, Matt? When you take a look back at, at the season that you had, how how do you look back on on your year with the Wranglers regular season and playoffs? Yeah, um, I, I think personally it was a pretty solid season. Um, I, I take a lot of pride in consistency and showing up uh, every night with you know good habits and and trying to have a positive impact on the team and. I think I was pretty consistent this year, so that's something that I can be proud of. And um, yeah, I, I kind of know my role and and what I can provide at at the AHL level at this point. Um, and I think I did a pretty good job of that. And yeah, I was obviously a, a big part of the, helping the team's offense, uh, but that's my job, and I think I did a pretty good job of it. What about the uh... You know, you had a lot of good leaders on that team, whether it was your captain, Brett Sutter, or you had a number of guys who have been pros for a long time. But what about uh, Matthew Phillips, the leader? Have you have you grown into that a little bit more, do you think? Uh, yeah, I, I'd say I probably have. Um, it, it's something that I don't really think too much about, having a letter. Like, I, I try to just kind of be myself. And, um, yeah, I, I don't do anything too crazy, too different. Uh I, I just think that my actions kind of speak for themselves, you know, like practicing hard and just having fun and 
yeah, not nothing too crazy, but I've definitely learned from teammates too. And, and when you have a guy like Brett, who's your captain, uh, he takes a pretty big load off. So he was awesome. All of our older guys this year were awesome. So I just tried to kind of mix into that. Statistically, your best season in the American League, 36 goals, 76 points. But did it feel like, like the way that you evaluate it, was it your best season as a pro in your mind? Um, good question. I, I mean, I, I think my last two seasons have been very positive for me. Um, I had an injury a few years ago and, and then the COVID year. So the last two years, I think I've just consistently been, you know, playing my, my type of hockey and, and bringing it every night. Um, I think I did improve on some things this year that I maybe could have done better the year before. And, uh, you always want to get better every season. And, uh, there's a few things that I wanted to achieve and, you know, kind of bring to my toolbox this year. And, and I think I'm getting better at certain things. Where, uh, where did you make those steps? Well, for me, personally, a big thing is uh, trusting my shot a little bit more. Uh, naturally, I'm kind of a pass-first guy, but uh, I think trusting my shot and, and using that a little bit more, which I tried to do this year. And then when you do that, you find that there's more passes available because <laughs> people are now worried right. about sending the shot. So, um, yeah, just different little offensive tactics, um, just kind of small details and, uh, yeah, tr- always trying to find different ways to produce. Did you, did, like you had 98 goals in your last two seasons in Vic. Uh, would would you have, even then you would have considered yourself a pass first guy? Uh, honestly, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Uh, it's kind of funny, but um, yeah. I mean, it, usually if I've if I've got the option, I'm I'm kind of looking for the pass, but I try not to think about it too much. Okay. I mean, sometimes you kind of go on a little run of goals, and sometimes. You're, you're setting guys up or they're setting you up. So it is what it is. A few more with Matthew Phillips as we wrap up the season for the Calgary Wranglers. Uh, you'll you'll be unrestricted in the next six weeks uh, or, or in about six weeks, and, and you'll be an unrestricted free agent for the first time in your pro career. I, I guess, first of all, just your interest in, in staying with Calgary. Group that drafted you, AHL team is here, NHL team is here. What's your interest level in, in staying with the Flames organization? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's no secret that there's, uh, there's been some changes uh, to the organization, and um, I think we'll just kind of wait and see how this unfolds here and, and what what is to come. But it's uh, it's a different situation for me, being a free agent. I've, you know, always kind of had the, the next year made up for me since I've yeah. been drafted. You know where you're going to play and, you know, what to expect and such. Um so yeah, I, I definitely I haven't made a decision on anything. Um, just kind of let this process play out. It's, it's very new to me, so we'll see what happens. Do you uh, you mentioned those changes? Do you think those changes could influence you positively to to stick around? Uh, potentially. I mean, I, I just think you whatever whatever decision a player is making at this time. Uh, in the offseason, you wanna you wanna have your homework done, and and you wanna have answers to, you know, um, like people you're gonna be working with, playing with, and such. So you just wanna have all the information uh, at your fingertips to make decisions. How how much does NHL playing time and and that potential factor in for you? 
yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's my goal. I want to play in the NHL and, um, that's, that's been my goal since I got drafted and that's what I'm continually trying to achieve. So, um, no matter where, where I'm playing next year, I, I obviously right now, I don't know where that might be, but, um, you, you want to play in the NHL and that's, that's the goal. Last one for you, Matt. And, and I got to ask you about your head coach. You mentioned, you know, some of the changes that are going on with the organization. Mitch Love's name has definitely been tossed around as a potential head coach of the Calgary Flames. Just can, can you just give us your thoughts on him? What makes him such a strong coach at the AHL level? And, you know, what has made him so successful in his two years coaching in the American League? Yeah, I mean, uh, I have a lot of really good things to say about Lover. He's been awesome for me the last two seasons and I I think it just it all stems from his passion I I think he he's so passionate and driven and a hard-working coach he's very prepared he's always on to a new goal and a new way for the team to have success strategically or whatever the task might be so um, whatever he sets his mind to, like he, he's all in on it, and it's just in, it, it, it's infectious throughout the group, and it, it brings everybody up. And your your attention to detail and, and your work ethic is something you got to bring every single day because he's doing it. <laughs> uh, he doesn't miss much. Like he he's, he's very dialed and very focused. So um, it, it's it's nice to play for a coach where you know that. He's done everything he possibly can to have your group ready and trying to win games. Matt, I know that the uh, season didn't end the way that you and the group wanted it to, but uh, nonetheless, from the outside, and a lot of people believe it's a really successful first year for the Wranglers in Calgary. You were a big part of that, so uh, congratulations on a great season and really appreciate you spending some time with us this afternoon. Thanks for doing this, Matt, and uh, enjoy what's going to be a really interesting offseason for you. Uh, Have fun with it, hey? Yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Have a great one. That's Matt Phillips of the Calgary Wranglers joining us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline as Calgary's AHL season came to an end on Friday night with that 6-5 loss in overtime to the Coachella Valley Firebirds. Coachella onto the Western Conference Final. Uh, It really was as close a series as you can possibly get. Uh, and two best teams in the AHL, and honestly, that should have been. I mean, I know it is what it is, but that one was made for a best of seven. Let's keep it going from Matthew Phillips to the captain of your Calgary Wranglers, Brett Sutter, who had 14 goals and 29 points in his first season with the Wranglers and was this team's captain the entire year, uh, and he joined us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline as well. Brett Sutter with us. Brett, thanks for doing this today. How are you doing? Hey, good. How are you? I'm doing all right. Um, I, I guess I ask you the same question that I'd ask, I, I asked Matt right off the top, and that is just, you know, you, you, a really tough way to end the year on Friday. It's the Monday afterwards. So I, I'm just, have you been able to start to look back and think about how positive or, or a lot of the positive things the group had, did this year, or is, is it mostly still the sting of, of how the season ended? Um, I, you know, I think you get a little bit of both. Um, obviously, you know, guys are still upset and, and we're spending a lot of ch- time together here the last few days before guys kind of start to trickle out of town. So, um, you know, the, the pain is still there from losing, but, uh, you know, I think, I think you're still proud of the group and, 
what we were able to accomplish together and, you know, a lot of new faces come into a team. And I think, you know, as the year went on, we, we became one of the, the hardest teams in the league to play against. So, um, you know, I just told the guys to walk out of the rink that day with their, their heads held high and, and uh, you know, be proud of the work we put in and, and be disappointed. And that's kind of all you can do. What, uh, what made this group special this year? What, what made them, as you mentioned, uh, such a hard team to play against? You know what? We just we just had a really committed group. We had a group that you know loved coming to the rank and working together. Um, you know, we had no outsiders or outcasts. We had a, we had guys that hung out with different people every time you went on the road and went out for dinners or whatever you're doing in, in Calgary when you're home. And and uh, when you play with a bunch of guys that that you love being around you, you want to do everything right for them and, and not disappoint them. And and I think you know we knew we could look across the the room and look a guy in the eye and knew he was doing his job. How do you uh, how do you reflect on on Friday night and and just how Game Five went against Coachella Valley? Yeah, you know it's tough. Uh, I don't think Game Five we necessarily played the game that that we wanted to play. I think we might have got into their rush game a little too much. Uh, you no, know, we we probably only gave up six goals what a handful of times all year. So. Um, you know, I think the one that really let slip was game three. I thought we probably played our best game in the series. We had tons of chances. I thought, you know, all three overtimes, I thought we were yeah. the better team and better chances. And it's tough. You know, it's one of those things you wish it could be a seven game series. Um, you know, I think, I think when the two best teams in the league are playing each other, it deserves to be a seven game series, but, but Hey, that's the way it works. And, and, uh, we'll just have to have to live with that. How, how tight was this series? You've been in a lot of playoff series before. You've played pro hockey a long time, Brett. Just the the difference between you and and the Firebirds. Like how how close was that five game series? Uh, I think it was it was really close. I think you know aside from game one, I think all the last four could have went either way. Um, it was you know I think I heard Lover say it was it was a last shot win mentality, and you know sure enough that's what it turned out to be. Um, you know, I think both series we played, I think Abbotsford was was a really good match matchup for us in the first round. I thought they'd play a really similar game, heavy checking game like we do. And, and uh, yeah, you know, it's just unfortunate. Uh, you only have so many chances with a, with a group like this, and, and we're, uh, you know, we're still sad to, to yeah. miss out. Calgary Wranglers captain Brett Sutter with us here on Flames Talk on this Monday I asked I asked Matt Phillips. I'll ask you the same question, kind of, and, and probably pretty similar for you. Just knowing that uh, how how much Calgary has meant to you growing up, and and what this city has meant. What was what was year one being in Calgary like for Brett Sutter? Oh, it was it was amazing. Um, you know, getting to live in our, our house full time for the for the first time in you know my sixteen year career, and chance to have a lot of family and friends that don't get to see you play very often. Come to lots of games and. Um, you know, for me, it was the first time I got to live in the same city as my brother in, in 20 years since I left for uh, major junior. So, um, yeah, and that was really special. I think, uh, you know, our fans got better and better and crowds got bigger and bigger as the year went on. And that was really exciting to see the, the game kind of catch on and, and people kind of get to know the Wrangler name a little bit. And, and uh, you know, it was it was pretty amazing just how uh, welcoming they all were for my family and myself. And, and it was a special year. So I, I, it's funny you mentioned uh, having your your brother and being in the same city as Chris and and all. So how like when you were playing in Ontario or when you were playing elsewhere in the American League, how often how often would he get to see you then? 
Um, you know, when we were in Ontario, that was the one time we've seen each other a decent amount. We were only a, the American League team there was only an hour and a half down the road. So um, they made it out to, to quite a few games then. But uh, aside from that year and year and a bit, we were together there. It really usually is only, you know, a couple times in the winter. And then you try to get together in the summer as much as you can. But uh, I think it was pretty special for him getting to be there every game this year. And and I know he was, uh, he was a pretty sad little man having to, to, to call him yesterday for the first time since we lost. And, and uh, you know, he was wearing his heart on his sleeve for us and pretty upset. So, um, yeah, you know, he's a heck of a kid, and I was happy to be here with him. Yeah, that's cool. That's very cool. What, uh, what did it mean to be the captain of the Wranglers, Brett? Well, obviously very proud. Um, you know, we, like I said, we have an unbelievable group. Um, I don't think there was just one or two leaders in that locker room. We, we had a, a full team of guys that cared and, and led, and we had different guys to follow on any given night. So it was just a, a privilege to play with these guys, and and to have them call me their captain was special, and, and uh, you know hopefully get another chance down the road to, to play with, with a lot of these guys. Chatting with Brett Sutter of the Calgary Wranglers, captain of the Calgary Wranglers. What uh... – so what what is next? Is is uh, another year with the Wranglers? Is that what you're eyeing? Another year? I'm just curious as to what the or, or even if you've given it much thought. I know the season just ended on Friday, but uh, where where are you on what comes next? Yeah, I think I haven't really thought about it too much. I think you know when you're in a especially in the playoffs, you're so kind of dialed in on taking it taking it one day at a time that we haven't really uh, haven't let it all sink in yet. But, um, no, I think uh, for sure if I'm going to play again, I, I'd like it to be here. And, and with this group, I feel like, you know, we left some things on the table and, and uh, we're a group that love to be together. So I think, uh, you know, getting a chance to play with those guys would be pretty special. How, how are you feeling physically? Like, are, are you still feeling like, yeah, the, the grind of uh, an American League season is, is still something that, that you're up for? Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, you know, that's that's part of why you play is is uh, you know to play these long playoff runs and play these long seasons is to is to go out and go to war and and battle with your teammates and uh, you know it's it's good to hurt at the end of the year. It means you you probably did your job. How uh, it's it's uh, I, as as you're talking um, something that that Michael Stone of the Flames said at the end of the season for him and and how being with the family and and being close with the family is is the priority the number one priority and thus he's not really looking at playing anywhere else. I'm just for for you and and knowing where you are with your family. How how important is that and taking that into consideration now when it comes to your decisions about playing and, and where you might play? I think that's probably your number one priority. Um, you know, seeing how my kids have came to the new school here and loved it and, and met lots of friends and, uh, you know, chance chances to see both uh, their grandparents on both sides of the family a lot and, and be with their cousins and, I think everything goes into account for it. Uh, you know, obviously, you, you know, everything we do is, is for the for your children and, and uh, keeping them happy would definitely be a priority and they're definitely happy here. What uh, what does the summer look like for you, Brett? Is it any anything that uh, is kind of routine, tradition? What uh, What's on the docket for the next number of months here? Uh Definitely do some visiting with the family. Uh, the old man's already been on the on the horn trying to get me to go back to the farm, so we'll have to <laughs> have to find some time for that uh, here soon. But uh, uh, other than that, uh, you know, for my thousandth game, the the boys, uh, Wranglers guys, all got me a trip to Toronto. I'm a big uh, diehard Jays fan, so I'll be uh, 
doing that trip with uh, my wife and enjoying that. So thankful they did that for me. And uh, awesome. other than that, just uh, some downtime and some family time. Hopefully get out camping here a little bit if the smoke goes away. How many, uh, how many times, like how many trips to the farm is sufficient? Uh, n- never, never enough. <laughs> I don't think really. That's fair. Uh, well, yeah. Brett, I, I, it was it was super cool having you on the Wranglers this year, and and to see you get to play your 1,000th AHL game in Calgary and get an opportunity to be the captain. Uh, I uh, I can speak for a lot of people, Wranglers season ticket holders, Flames fans, Wranglers fans. I think it'd be super cool to have you back for another year with the Wranglers as well. So that uh, that's super cool that that is uh, very much front of mind for you. Thanks for doing this. I know the season didn't end the way you were hoping, but uh, congratulations on a great first year in Calgary. And uh, thanks again for doing this today, hey? Yeah, thanks a lot for having me. I appreciate it. Have a good rest of your night. You as well. Be well. That's uh, Brett Sutter, the captain of your Calgary Wranglers, joining us here on Flames Talk and joining us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. A couple of class acts right there, Matt Phillips and Brett Sutter, different stages of their career. But uh, look, I mean, Brett said it. If he's going to play, he wants to be here. Uh, He's got 1,000 AHL games under his belt. He had a really good year as a captain for the first time with the Wranglers. Um, Was a a really, you know, that's an important face to have. And and for a team that was very much, and Pike, you'd know this, this team was, this team's mandate is, yes, winning is important, but this team's mandate is development first. And so the fact that they could be development first and the best team in the American League Having a guy like Brett Sutter is a pretty important part of that. So it'd be su- I, I, I think it'd be super cool if he's back for another year. That would be a really neat story. Yeah, and I mean, you know, we, we've talked a lot about, uh, you know, the and I believe next hour we'll talk to Mitch Love, uh, talked about, you know, the, the work that was done. I mean, this is, a you know, in addition to changing countries during the offseason, uh, the Heat slash Wranglers uh, lost, I think, like 8 or 10 players and something like 140 of their 240 goals scored last year. That's a lot of turnover. But I think some of the better work that uh, that Brad Pascal's ever done very quietly was finding the right guys to fill out the roster because, you know, you can't have a bunch of 20, 23-year-old, 24-year-old kids. You need some adults to sort of show them the ropes. And I think Brett Sutter, dating back to his days uh, with the Ontario Reign specifically, has always had that reputation of being a really good guy to have around your kids. And if you look at some of the, the the success the Los Angeles Kings have had in development, I think a lot of the success some of their young guys have had, and hopefully, you know, for the Flames, some of the success their young guys will have in the future could be distributed yep. to playing with that kind of a person. Uh, and then as for Matt Phillips, he uh, didn't tip his hand too much. Good when poker it came face. To, but <laughs> I think gave us a little, like, would the changes make? He's like, potentially. If I here's all I know, if I'm Craig Conroy, who may or may not have been instrumental in getting him drafted, he was. Are you are you telling me that he saw a ton of Western League games in 1516 and said this guy's pretty good? I know that he and the area scout were pushing hard for Matty to be uh, Matty Phillips to be drafted that year in 2016. And if I'm the Flames, if I'm Craig Conroy, I'm going at that. I'm going at that young man and offering him the type of deal that would keep him in Calgary. And that might be a one-way deal to keep him in Calgary. But Matt Phillips has done everything he possibly can as a sixth-round pick and as a prospect in this organization without getting an opportunity to prove if he's an NHLer. 
I still think the Flames owe it to themselves as an organization to see what they have as an NHLer, and I do not believe that they know yet what they have as an NHLer. They may have an idea, but at the very least, I think if you're the Flames, if you're Craig Conroy and this management group, I think that you need to, once Matt Phillips makes his decision, you need to, if he makes a decision to go elsewhere, you need to know that you made him an offer that is going to keep him here. So we'll see if they do that. Got to wrap up this hour. Pike Steinberg, Cam's been our producer. Uh, Thanks to Matt Phillips and thanks to Brett Sutter. They both joined us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Guest Hotline using the same secret recipe since 1975. Dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Takeout or deliveries at 403-248-3344.